another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And joining me today, I've got uh, a, a ray of sunshine, an adorable bean. Um, they uh, are a year-long bike courier. We've uh, bonded uh, without really actually meeting each other in person too much, but we've talked over the internet and they so kindly reached out and wanted to uh, uh, chat on the show. So um, I'm excited to get, get to know them. And uh, Tabby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm glad you could do it without me having to go all the way back to Milwaukee. <laughs> Hell yeah. Where, wh where are you now? I'm in Minneapolis. Okay, I knew that. Yeah, I came. I moved about. Yeah, I came. Moved here about uh, two years ago from Milwaukee. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> did you? Uh, well, actually, we'll get into that. But first, gotta ask like the the more um, you know the 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 default question is uh, how are you yes. doing? How is your day going? Um, I'm actually doing great. My day so far has been awesome. I woke up at like one. Uh, actually, my boyfriend's in town and today's his last day. So just got to snuggle in bed for a little bit and make coffee. And uh, now I get to be on a podcast. So <laughs> I would say it's a really fucking good day. So wholesome. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. Um, is it, uh, is it, bright and sunny up there uh like it is here yeah for the first time all week it's like the warmest the snow's melting we got a fucking storm last week sorry for swearing um oh, we got a storm swear. last week. you can okay swear. cool <laughs> we got a storm last week and it dumped like about eight inches on us and it wouldn't go away and we're just like dude this is october can we just have halloween first but the sun's out now it's super pretty and yeah yeah sitting in my kitchen <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice pumpkin. Thank you. It's festive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a direct uh, are you, uh, are you carving in the next couple days? Yeah, we were supposed to carve it. Um, while my boyfriend was in town, but we never got around to it. So I'll probably do that in the next couple days. I want to burn. There's a, uh, hold on, I'll show you. There's a welcome to Minneapolis with the third precinct image burning. And I want to carve that in there. Oh, tight. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love to see it. Um, we love to see it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I got a pumpkin from this pumpkin farm in Sturdivant, and oh, uh, they had alpacas and goats and turkeys, and there was even a pig. Oh, did you get to pet any of them, specifically oh, yeah. the turkey? I not the turkey. The turkey. <laughs> one, of, one of them did uh, start pecking at my shoe. Um, uh, yeah, which. Um, is on uh, my Instagram, uh, but but uh, no, we, we did get to pet all the other ones though. Um, the alpacas are um, very assertive. Like we, um, yeah, um, I went with one of my friends and um, we were like, you know, putting the quarters in so we could like, you know, feed them. them some, yeah, some feed. And uh, yeah, the alpacas kept like, they like nudge each other and get and like push each other out of the ways so like yeah so that that was a little intimidating but the goats are very sweet that's so they're so cute my favorite are the goats especially like when you find like little fainting goats and they just like keel over they're the best oh yeah oh yeah um what do you what's your favorite animal oh my favorite animal uh when i was a kid it was a cheetah because they were super fast and now, you know, I think I'm just like basic. I like dogs and cats. You like yeah. things that you can snuggle with. Exactly, yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, when when I was younger and cheetah was my favorite animal, I actually, I know a lot about cheetahs now. <laughs> they are the only large cat that purrs. Uh, I think I heard that somewhere, but. Clear a little snapback for the day. Yeah, well. Um, I will take that information and uh, apply it to my life. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that was a free. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say my favorite animals are I like hippos and I love mm. elephants. And oh. uh, I, I like capybaras. I've been real into capybaras lately. They're fucking cute. They're just giant hamsters. 
Yeah. Oh my god. They're so funny. Like their faces look so like they're just so like stale faced, you know. Um <laughs> but stoic rope. <laughs> yeah, so stoic. But I don't know. I've like really wanted to uh like go to the zoo or something lately because I've just been so stir crazy with everything yeah. that's been going on in the world and being in quarantine. So like it'd be nice to go pet and see some animals or something mm-hmm. just be happy for 45 minutes <laughs> oh yeah yeah most definitely um so so tabby what we talk about on mr nice guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and uh, so uh yeah so um you said we met one time it was uh what was, it was at arby's right river uh, west yeah the Arby's parking lot in River West. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the most fantastic establishment in the neighborhood, River West Arby. It's, it's a staple of the community, honestly. Yeah, it's something that, like, if you didn't live, like, if you weren't a River Wester, you would uh, just be so confused, like, yeah. on what the hell everyone, like, why are why are people so weird like you yeah. know but why are you so obsessed with arby's and denny's <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah i did actually used to go to denny's with my friends at like you know 11 at night in high school that was oh. a real thing for sure oh yeah well you gotta especially like you know back when we were younger you go and you could smoke cigarettes inside get like two dollar pieces of bacon yeah and bottomless coffee I would always get the milkshakes. I, I do remember they had really good ice cream. Are you are you originally from Milwaukee? Um, no, I'm originally from Kenosha. So Kenosha, Wisconsin. I was born and raised, and then um, I moved to Milwaukee about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and then I stayed there for a little bit, and then I came up here. So, what uh, what brought you up here? Um, Kenosha sucks. <laughs> I mean, well, it's actually really funny, you know, whenever I, you know, used to specify that from Kenosha, you got to say Kenosha, Wisconsin, right by Milwaukee. Now everybody knows where it is. I don't got to do that. Um, But yeah, I left Kenosha just because, you know, for me, for me, at least, because I don't want to like, you know, talk down to anybody who's still there. Um, It's just like shitty town, nothing to do, kind of dead end, you know. So went to Milwaukee for a little bit more opportunity, went vegan for a little bit. And then uh, <laughs> just did all the quintessential move to Milwaukee, River West, vegan, get a bike, let's go. <laughs> oh, you just hit like the River West trifecta there. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Here, go vegan, get a bike. Um, I drink my bender enders just like the rest of us, okay? <laughs> I, my bike actually got stolen this week. I saw that. I am so sorry. Yeah, it's... It's pretty lame. I I will say I did that bike. Like, thankfully, I didn't buy that bike. A friend gave it to me because she was moving out of the state. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was still a really nice bike. It was a Schwinn. Um, Oh, I have a soft spot for Schwinns. (laughs) It was, I know nothing. I don't even really know what that means, but I just... No, it was that. I just know that was what it was. Like, yeah, bikes myself, but but it was a nice (laughs) bike, and I got it around the city like uh, all summer, Um, and then it just disappeared on Monday. Um, But someone, someone did just message me today, um, offering me a mountain bike, which was very kind. Oh, yay! You can go shred it, so that's cool. You know, one door closes, another opens. And that's what I really appreciate about, um, especially River West, but just a lot of folks in Milwaukee, like, um, that once you, you know, if uh, you you develop a sense of community virtually, like, who knows what someone might be able to help you with, Um, which was very, which is so so dope. And that is kind of like, what makes me makes me kind of glad that I'm connected to a bunch of people on the internet that I don't actually know in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely makes this, definitely makes this circle a lot bigger. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so, uh, did you, were you, um, did you go to school in Milwaukee? Um, no, I never attended school, like college. No. Um, I wanted to, I had like, you know, signed up a bunch of times for things I thought I was passionate in. And then by the time they were like, you're accepted, come on in. I was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's something that like we're very easily like kind of manipulated by like right not maybe not so much manipulated but just indoctrinated that like it's something that we're supposed to do just by way of like industry and trade and like that Mm -hmm. it's our what we have to do if we're gonna like you know be successful but man fuck that shit you don't need it if you don't if you don't need it you know no exactly and it's like like I said you know there are there are things that I would want to go to school for in the future but it's mostly obviously like I got to be able to afford it and I'm already in a bunch of medical debt so I don't want to put any more on there and nowadays you can learn everything on YouTube so that's just what I've been doing anything I want to learn about go on YouTube get some people's opinions and then boom I'm an expert <laughs> oh yeah yeah you can learn how to brew beer you could yeah. learn how <laughs> could learn how to like build uh uh tables and shit or learning how to make um like resin casted tables <laughs> hey fuck yeah i mean it, youtube can be your uh university if you will um mm-hmm. for me it's gotten as far as uh I, teaching me to tie a tie that's that's about as far as i've gotten yeah. on youtube <laughs> Well, it's helpful for that, you know, like how to tie a tie. There was something like stupid that should be common knowledge that I had to look up how to do. Oh, shoot. I really wish I would remember because it'd be really funny for this. But yeah, no, like going back to the basics and like having, you know, some old grandma be like, this is how you crack an egg. And you're like, oh, cool. Now I know. (laughs) Right. But, you know, things like uh, learning to do taxes, you know, um uh, (laughs) that's what it was i learned how to use excel on youtube (laughs) oh yeah yeah there you go um so what uh what brought you to uh uh minnesota um well it's like kind of a kind of a shitty thing i was in this uh like long relationship and we had broke up months previous and uh instead of them moving out i moved out and i really couldn't find any place in milwaukee like that I felt comfortable, especially having a big dog. And a friend reached out um, that lives up here. His name's Joe. He reached out and was like, hey, I got room up here. You can stay as long as you need to get get on your feet. You know, I just want you to be in a good situation. So that was really awesome. You know, like you were saying about having a community and everything. Uh, but yeah, so like, usually if I <laughs> if I tell like the short story, I'm just like, oh, I just needed a change of pace, you know? Just need, I needed it to be colder in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you. You um, you want even longer winters than we like actually have here. Yeah. Yep. The the lake is keeping it too warm. You know, I I, I feel my face still in the middle of January, and I'd like to not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know. <laughs> um. Yeah, my birthday's in the dead of winter. It kind of sucks. Like, um. I mean, I still make it fun. I've always figured yeah. out how to still make it fun, but. <laughs> uh january 11th oh shit mine's uh december 14th oh there you go so so i feel your pain so are are you a sag i am and you're a cap i am a cap i'm in the cap game you're all cap (laughs) yeah no cap on cap you want to just start fresh and just be in a different environment and just kind of like um build from there Sort of. Very on brand for Sagittarius. Uh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Um, well, uh, tell me about like, uh, did you feel like, did you feel like you acclimated to it pretty easily? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Minneapolis up here is like very, very bike friendly. Um, that doesn't mean to say that like cars respect bikers. So I don't want you to think that at all. But you know, there's more bike lanes, more bike infrastructure. Um, like the trail system here is fantastic. Like in, in Milwaukee, you have the Oak Leaf and the Hank Aaron, two trails that basically go nowhere. Well, Hank Aaron is 
actually a trail, but Oak Leaf doesn't go anywhere and it picks up in weird spots. But like here you can go all around the city in one 20 mile loop without, you know, having to touch the road. Um, and as far as like acclimating here, like personally and everything. Yeah. I mean, I already had friends up here from being a bicycle, the bicycle, <laughs> a bicycle messenger. Yeah, yeah. So I have friends from around the country just from meeting them at like races and stuff. And so it was really like pretty easy to move up here. I'd say the hardest thing was for my dog just cause he like, you know, left his other two dog friends and, you know, two people that he lived with and we're, we're sleeping on a couch now. So I think the hardest part was for my dog, but for me, it was easy. For sure. Good. Um, I've wanted to make it up there a lot more. Um, one of my good friends uh, lives up there. Um, he's, he's more in St. Paul. But, <laughs> but I've heard, I've heard like the music scene is, is stellar up there. I would and, say so. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's my thing. Like I, I gravitate towards wherever I am, like the music scene is important. So, um, yeah. and I think we have a great Milwaukee, I think we have a great Milwaukee music scene, but I've heard the Twin Cities has like so much talent it really does well and like on that note it's kind of um it's kind of funny because like when I lived in Milwaukee I went to you know music stuff all the time whether it's like hardcore shows at the Borg when it was there or going to see like tombs over at site 1a or bad genie rest in peace but um <laughs> but like out here um a lot of the music stuff is mostly uh like small venues there really aren't like a huge uh a lot of huge venues there's like first avenue and stuff and um what's that one it's called skyway and skyway is the one where they do a lot of the electronic music and a lot of my friends aren't into all the dancey stuff like i am and i don't i choose not to go along because i hear there's a high drug rate over there like girls getting drugged and stuff but so that was the thing that was the hardest part for me actually is you know trying to find where the music is um, a lot of my friends are actually like, they do like underground DJ stuff, like, you know, go to a warehouse, the cops protect the place, and those are really fucking fun. I oh, love yeah. that. Everything's just dark and sweaty and there's smoke everywhere. Oh, yeah. So were you like, um, were you like a, a clubber uh, in Milwaukee? Like towards the end of it more, yeah, <laughs> I was. I really enjoyed going to um, like Bad Genie and Site 1A. Um, bad genie mostly because like I worked out real chilly so we would like you know they'd get chilly we'd get drinks so I'd go oh, over yeah. there all the time and I knew the bouncers so I felt very safe being by myself um, and then yeah site 1a watching like Sammy perform and fucking seeing like all really huge artists come to site 1a like huge artists yeah. and it always blew my mind and i'm just like i get to sit next to fucking at aliens crazy yeah. oh my god yeah there was uh they were gonna have uh, hodor from game of thrones uh was gonna be there like the week um the week like everything shut down in march yeah. he was supposed to come oh so, shit and, like i don't i don't even go to like clubs like that but that yeah. would have been i would have hit that shit up oh fuck yeah who wouldn't <laughs> right but i've been interviewing i've been interviewing more djs and like producers on the show lately and getting to know some of the folks in like, the nightlife scene and oh, they yeah. all seem like uh really wholesome people and oh I'd absolutely to, i'm trying to party at site probably more than i would have before Would've. definitely well, yeah. definitely two DJs. I think yeah. you should uh, interview if you, you know, when you get the chance, because I know you're slowing down a little bit and I definitely believe you should take a break. You've been working hard, but um, Sammy Anderson, uh, Wolfbiter, oh, and then Koshka. Um, I beat you to it. I've interviewed both of them. <laughs> oh, perfect. You're the fucking my <laughs> um, Never mind. You are doing a great job. Take a break. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I... I like to think so, you know, I'm just- You're doing, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> I just like to put myself out You're there. doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like, there's so many fucking DJs to like know and I want to like get to know every single one of them, but, oh, yeah. but that goes for every but, scene. Like I've had to interview a lot of bands and shit and people in the DIY scene that interview uh, hip hop artists um i'm even getting around to some burlesque performers so Ooh, you hollis k 
Hollis K. My God, you're reading my mind. I just interviewed Hollis on Monday. Oh my God. <laughs> Tab, I'm I'm good. I'm uh don't underestimate you're doing me. Great. You don't even need me. I don't even need to be here. I'll see you later. <laughs> oh no, no. Stay here. You gotta talk, you gotta talk bikes at me. Um, yes. which we can get into. Um so when We'll start with a simple question of uh, when, how old were you when you learned how to ride a bike? I was eight years old. I had training wheels until I was eight. And I was like the last kid on my block to learn to ride a two wheeler. <laughs> I think I was four or five. I think I was five when I learned how to ride a bike. Yeah, that's, um, that's the right age. <laughs> yeah, but hey, eight is uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Right, you're you're doing races and shit. Like you're, yeah. <laughs> you're 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 in good hands. Um, so, but like, was biking like um, was that like a big thing for you? Like uh, as you were growing up, like when you were a kid, when you were like in a teenager. Um, actually, no. Um, when I I think like after like middle school or something, like aside from biking to school or to a friend's house. Um, I really wasn't into like riding my bike, uh, especially like as an adult. Um, I mean, I've never had a driver's license. I got it um, like not suspended, but I wasn't able to get it when I was a kid because of tickets, blah, 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 bad child. And um, so I never got my license. Um, when I moved to Milwaukee, um, you know, it was just a made sense to get a bike. Public transportation sucked. And then I met my one friend, uh, Sean Nyrie, who lives in Chicago now. And he was like the first friend that I had that was a bicycle courier. And he comes in in the middle of winter with all of his bike gear, clipless shoes, break, no brakes and everything. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Like, how do you stop? What are you talking about? And then like months later, I needed a job and Flavor Cycle, I don't know if you remember that company, they were hiring and um, they were like, why do you want to work here? And I'm like, I want to go fast. <laughs> and then okay, I ended up just okay Ricky, Bobby. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, and it was funny because like, you know, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty tough person. I'm pretty, you know, headstrong, but I'm also a fucking pussy. So like when the going gets tough, I get the fuck going, dude. But when I became a bike messenger and like being a, being a non-dude in a, you know, male dominated, um, like career or whatever, I felt like this like ego that I had to prove. I had like this pride that I never had in my entire life. So yeah, I just like stuck with it, stuck with it through the winter. And now it's like my only talent. <laughs> Hey, that's super cool. I mean, I don't be the first like I've met or interacted with that does that. So oh, nice. That's pretty cool. So what how would you describe like just what being a bike messenger is? Like what do you do? Yeah. Um, well, I'm what we call a foodie. So I just deliver food. Um, when it was in Milwaukee, I worked for uh, companies like Flavor Cycle and Forward Courier. Both of those are no longer companies. Um, but basically, we had um, accounts with uh, restaurants like Mojo Fuko, um, you know, fucking transfer, whatever. And we would do their deliveries, basically like an Uber Eats or DoorDash or something, but local bicycle delivery, all that stuff. Um, we also used to deliver for Forward, we would deliver Whole Foods breakfast to the Milwaukee Bucks. So that was cool. Um, and like the Marquette, uh, whatever their basketball team is, mostly the women's team, we would deliver food for them. Um, and near the end of it, we would just do like bank runs from Mojo Fuko. So like exchanging change and whatever. Um, but like, other people like in bigger cities or even in Milwaukee, there's a, a company called Breakaway where they do legal paperwork and just like, you know, little short jobs where with sensitive documents, all that shit. Um, but there's a, <laughs> there's a bit of a hierarchy between the paper messengers and the food messengers. Uh, paper messengers think they're better than everybody else, but we all wait for elevators and we all smell like shit. So, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's a it's a fun job. I mean, even if it is like raining or snowing and I fucking hate my life, like at the end of the day, I did something that I can be proud of. Yeah. And so, uh, like totally. That's dope. I mean, yeah. Having a bike, um, you know, before it got stolen. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, if you're listening, bring it back. <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Um <laughs> uh 
Yeah. No, I like this was my first summer actually having a bike. Um, like in as an adult, like I had one as a yeah. kid and a, like in a, as a teenager, but mm-hmm. um, actually having one to get around as an adult, like changed my life. And it, it really did uh, improve my mental health um, substantially because mm-hmm. it is like, you know, it's not only a way to get around, but just like the, you know, being like, just the propelling that it takes and everything and like the endurance and the stamina, like just gets the endorphins and the adrenaline, oh. just, uh, and, and a constant, uh, constant motion. And Absolutely. it made me a lot happier just to be able to get around that way. Um, for sure. So it's yeah. like after a good ride or a good, uh, in your case, like a, you know, delivery, like I'm sure, yeah, it's a, great feeling of accomplishment oh absolutely especially like so up here um I work I, actually up here I am working for Uber Eats uh just because uh well, I'm not gonna get into it I don't really like the companies up here right now sure. but um so doing Uber Eats um a lot of the restaurants aren't prepared for a cyclist to come in so they don't really pack their food super well so it is a little bit of a challenge you know having to sprint across the city with a clamshell full of Chinese food without <laughs> exploding it all over your bag um or like delivering a pizza in a snowstorm and these like people are like oh my god that's so impressive and I'm like thanks please tip yeah right of <laughs> yeah so, that that's the that's the flip side is like people that don't recognize like the the service you're performing like right. especially in the elements oh absolutely and it's always I always figure this out pro tip if you're delivering something and they give you a really big compliment it's in lieu of a tip I promise you almost every time, every time I get a compliment, like, oh my God, I like your stickers or, oh my God, I love your tattoos. And I'm like, oh, wow, thank you. That was a genuine interaction. And then I look at the tip line, and it's zero dollars. I'm like, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to compensate. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh that, my God. That is a good tip. <laughs> um, I'll keep that in mind. Um, so I'm almost almost positive every single time if you get a huge compliment it's like you're not gonna fucking give me any money are you <laughs> yeah, no, that's just lame that's like having like you know regulars like that are always so talkative at like restaurants and shit but they're like <gasps> the shittiest tippers you know Dude, like yes. yeah i was a barista for a while and i that shit was so annoying when it's just always like old white men that never fucking tip but they just hang around yeah and they just hang around and just talk they're trying to talk to you and like make conversation while you're in the middle of making like three drinks yeah oh god that would happen at real chili all the time there was this one customer i forgot his name but he would always show up at like 1 30 on a saturday night and that's the going time baby are you using a back scratcher right now? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Hell oh, yeah. I, I got this from Beans and Barley. And oh, it, nice. Oh, my God. This thing, life-changing. Oh, fuck yeah. But yeah, so like, you know, working at Real Chili, uh, there was this dude that would come in every Saturday at 1.30, just sit down, and all he wants to do is fucking talk about the same thing he's been talking about for the past six months. And it's like, Jerry, I'm going to call him Jerry for the sake of the story. It's like, Jerry, I already know about your wife, how she left you. I don't care. What I got to do is serve these drunk people. <laughs> right. Like, why don't you tip me for all this emotional labor you're putting me through? Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Oh my God. I've always joked about having an emotional charge labor line and like no matter what job I'm in. Um, I used to be a bicycle mechanic and like a service manager at a couple of Eric's locations. Um, and uh, every time there's just somebody who's just emotionally draining or like their bike is specifically emotionally draining because they didn't take care of it. I just wanted to put like an extra $50 charge on there and be like, this is for my emotions <laughs> that I had to invest into your bike. Uh, yeah, for real. Speaking of which, um that is uh the so over the summer like i did like the black is beautiful bike rides um yeah and and i remember like my at the time partner like um she had uh gotten in like a collision with somebody and like her bike was like dented but we just happened to be like right next to this like um sponsored like bike 
pop-up mechanic uh, oh, wow. crew. Um, and uh, I remember like, it was so weird. Like they, they so they literally like, um, they were so convenient and uh, fixed her bike up just fine. But then literally as we were on our way to, uh, to leave, as we were about to take off, my tire popped on my bike. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, throw my bike onto, you know, like I was just like, nope, need your guys help now. <laughs> it's my turn. My turn. Um, and they, yeah, they uh, hooked me up with a new tire. It was all free. It was awesome. so, we it was such a, they're really good about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to bike mechanics everywhere <laughs> gang gang yeah. motherfuckers <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking about you <laughs> <laughs> just me I'm the only one yeah, yeah. Um, well, funny you mentioned that um have you been on a, an underwear bike ride before COVID uh, I wanted to go on it this year so bad but oh. um well because I used to work at company brewing and Steve oh. Roach is like yeah. the guy who like basically leads it and yep. we would always yeah, like, yeah, and he, and, um, and, um, they would always, like, end at, My company. Uh, yeah, and I would, like, hang out there, like, while it was going on, and it seemed so fun, and, like, I love not wearing clothes. It's the best. Um, yeah, so uh, I really wanted to do it this year. I just never got around to it, because I just always was working, but yeah. hopefully, uh, next year there will be underwear bike rides or whenever they are it's gonna be a thing um was that a big thing for you like did you always do it oh yeah i try to make it every because i think it was once a month in the summertime um, i was living up there um and i would try to make it at every single one i definitely made um the last one two years ago before i moved up here so that was really nice um and then uh I usually would do like ride support. So just like riding around, you know, looking for people that caught flats or like their chain got gunked up or whatever. Um, and there's this one specific time. I think we were somewhere, we were leaving. Oh shoot. What's that park? Uh, Washington park with the, with the band show. Right. Yeah. 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 So we would like, we would always bike down over there, um, you know, in the underwear and, uh, and that's another thing that I enjoy about like how Steve, you know, tries to, What I enjoy about Steve is that, you know, he is a white dude, but he tries to like, you know, get everybody included. And like, he definitely tries to like have other people or other white people like get out of their white person comfort zone. So he would always bring us, you know, like through the quote unquote, not so awesome parts of Milwaukee, but also just to show like, hey, these parts of town aren't fucking scary. Right. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's, that's a really good point. Um, And that's, that's so important in in those like communal based events like that. I mean, we did that, like the Blackest Beautiful Rides did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, I even thought about that when we were doing like the George Floyd marches in June where we were marching in, you know, parts of the city that we don't normally like venture in or aren't familiar with, but literally these are like, yeah, I mean, issues might have like, issues might impact these neighborhoods, but it's full of, great people or yeah it's full of like its own community um microcosms of like you know what ultimately all make all make up our city and it reinforces the notion that you can't really you can't claim milwaukee as your city if you're afraid to go anywhere in milwaukee like you have to you have to be so you know open-minded and recognize that you know if you want to be angry or afraid of anything about Milwaukee, it should be where it should be like about how the city is being gov- governed and where its money is going towards, which would be gentrif- yeah. gentrification, which is an insidious issue here on the edge of River West along the river. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to bring it up. It's like, you know, I mean, we see this on the River West neighborhood page all the time where it's like, you know, a white lady's like, I saw a black man standing there menacingly. But then like in the same breath, you know, these yuppies will be like, I love how diverse and whatever that River West is, but I won't go into Harambe or I'm not gonna go into Sherman Park. 
And it's like, honey, those parts of town are just as important as River West. And it's like, if you're, if you're scared, fine. You know, like I'm scared as like a, you know, a person with vagina to like walk down the street by myself in the broad daylight, but that's my own insecurities has nothing to do with really like like racial issues or anything. I mean, you know, how can you say that you love Milwaukee? Like you said, you love Milwaukee and you love River West, but you don't know the plights of the 53406 or if you, um, you know, if uh, like the Sherman Park riots where you're like, I'm scared to leave my house. It's like, honey, you live in West Dallas. Okay. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And or anywhere that just any white person using the term ghetto to describe anything. Oh, I just want to fucking. Oh, dude. And it's like, you know, it's people have to recognize that things like poverty and um, increased crime rates in uh, impoverished neighborhoods occur for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it occurs because of and you you have no one to be angry at, but capitalists and uh, the ruling class mm-hmm. these these officials that are hoarding wealth and are more concerned with like you know funding building things like the hop rather than mm-hmm. building grocery stores and food deserts that affect some Milwaukee zip codes exactly um, yeah, it's well, and what they do and what the elites do is that they pin, you know, the lower middle class white people against the people of color, making it seem like the people of color, you know, people in lower income neighborhoods are the ones to blame when they're literally just trying to make ends meet like we are or like the like their counterpart, you know, so right. it's like, I don't know, and especially, you know, I um, I was here during the George Floyd riots up here. Um, I went home for Kenosha to um, show solidarity for Jacob Blake. And I think like the the most heartbreaking thing was seeing the difference between Minneapolis and Kenosha and like the the show of support for Black Lives Matter and, you know, the helping stop police brutality and abolish police. It was so terrifying being in Kenosha because like we really were almost alone like the people who were breaking curfew at Civic Park there was only like 30 or 40 people at a time and they had the same show of force as far as National Guard that they had up here in Minneapolis that they did in Kenosha for 30 people you know and so it's just like I don't know if I'm getting way off topic but it shows that the elites hear us and they're terrified they are so fucking scared and they should be yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, if you said you're rich, we're coming for you, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's uh, that's why I became a communist this year. Hell yeah! <laughs> Welcome to the team. Did you get your Soros check yet? Um, uh, still waiting on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so you were so like, were you also because you know you're obviously a bike aficionado so like were you um always doing like the 24 as well um not always so yeah I think like the first well the first year I got a bike uh the guy I was dating at the time was in the 24 um so that was my first introduction to it the next year I was in a team with the river west co-op um that's when I got this tattoo and then um oh wait no no that was the year before I got this tattoo when I did my first solo um I didn't I don't think I didn't do very well because I ended up taking acid way too early so I just like tripped all night <laughs> and then like sure. found myself at fuel the next day and then finished out a card it and happens. then the after that I did solo again and I got second place um right under Sunny and I forgot the third uh place person's name but that was an awesome podium and it was such a close race too um and then I did the Powderhorn 24 up here which is, you know, based off of the River West 24. And I raced with the uh, Minneapolis Bicycle Messenger Association, MBMA, and we got first place with 69 laps, baby. Oh, hell yeah, that's, that is stellar. (laughs) That is- Yeah, no, I love River West 24. I loved it a lot more than the Powderhorn. And I'm not saying that the Powderhorn like sucked or anything, but like, cause it didn't at all. But the big difference is the River West 24 is a whole, neighborhood party and i mean i'm sure you know oh have you been to reverse 24 pre-covid um i well last year was my first summer in river west so i didn't i was still new to a lot of stuff i didn't do it um and i was gonna do it this year you know Mm -hmm. including like you know i wanted to see all of like the diy shows and everything but um but yeah i i didn't get to do it yet 
well I'm it's, you're gonna have so much fun but like the the feel the feel of it it's literally from you know where high dive is all the way down Pierce to uh Keefe yeah all the way to um hmm. I can't remember street names right now, but the whole five mile block radius is just one huge fucking house party for 24 hours. And like the difference between there and here is like, there's still parties going on, but it's more on like the bike trail, like Greenway, like people are pitching tents and stuff like that. Um, and you're not allowed to blast music after the after it gets dark. So that's the big difference. Yeah, yeah, I, well, if if there is one next year, hopefully, you know, People don't fuck all of next year up. Yeah, which is, yeah, uh, definitely uh, climactic right now here in the state. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, it might happen next year. Um, but uh, I'll see you there. I hope to see you there. Hell yeah, dude. Got a high five waiting for you. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, dope. So the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, Abby. Uh, so one thing we have uh, bonded over um, is that uh, you and I have a shared, shared struggle of BPD. Borderline personality disorder represents. Um, <laughs> the most bogus yeah. disorders, if you ask me. <laughs> so bogus. Um, I like to think that I can be, I like to, like, you know how people always make those memes about, like, people with like trauma or people with like anxiety and shit are like usually the most funny. I, I, I would, yeah. um, I, I would resonate with that. I feel like a lot of the funniest people I know are also, you know, have a lot of shit going on. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, it's the least we get, you know, after all this trauma that we're put through, <laughs> the higher powers are like, you get one. Pick one personality trait and you get it. Oh, yeah. I'm interested in kind of how you feel about how, I guess, like, how how you're navigating quarantine and the pandemic and just the heaviness of 2020 right now while afflicted with BPD, like, kind of just how, um, just how elements of, like, the condition, you know, might have, like, have like amplified the quarantine for you or I guess just like how how it's affected you during these really confusing and chaotic times um well it definitely definitely took a huge toll on my mental health like especially at first um I'm kind of the person where it's like um like I can be the type of person where like the sky's on fire kind of a guy um so you know at first I was just panicking honestly like internally not like you know panic attack on the outside but internally very worried um I was worried for like my family members myself because I'm the most important person to myself um and like my niece and everything so I was just really worried about like the state of the country um and like I don't know like sort of off topic but I always get these like weird like gut feelings when big things are gonna happen it's not like I don't want to like pretend like clairvoyance I don't want to say I'm like predicting shit but like things like I can always feel like when I'm about to move like I always feel like unfamiliar in my home or like I always get this like feeling of impending doom yeah, and I was yeah. getting that impending doom feeling in like beginning of March or even like beforehand and I'm just like god things just don't feel right and then all of a sudden everything started closing down and I'm like, I was right, I was right. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of the beginning of it was a lot of drinking. And there was a lot of drinking in the beginning of it. Um, a lot of smoking weed. Uh, weed helps my BPD a lot. Um, it helps me be able to like see the bigger picture of things and not tunnel vision everything. Drinking doesn't do that. It just makes me happy temporarily. <laughs> So it was a lot of that, a lot of uh, a lot of drug use, just because I was like, "fuck it." Um, and then up until the last couple of months, because like I had, a, I just recently ended a friendship, um, and so it really put things into perspective for me of like, you know, was I coping with the drinking and the drugs because I don't want to like sit and face it, you know? And you know, and truthfully, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, really think about the state of the country, you know, COVID aside, with all the protests and the riots and our city's on fire and me wanting to feel like, you know, I want to be part of the revolution and I want to like do good. 
Um, and having BPD with that just kind of puts me in a place where I feel stuck because I don't want to do I don't want to do the wrong thing for myself, but I also don't want to just sit and do nothing. Like when they're coming like to Corona and the protests and stuff like that. So like, I try my best not to go out. I do, I'm gonna be honest, everyone's gonna hate me, but I wear my mask. Um, I don't go if it's like super crowded. Um, I feel like, I'm gonna stop you there and say, I feel like most people have sporadically done things like that, you know? And I mean, as long as you're wearing your mask and good about getting tested, like you are gonna see your friends or, you know, occasionally like go out for like a drink Mm -hmm. or something, then, that's fine. Just, you know, be responsible about it. And I, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. So yeah, well, it's like, you know, well, off topic, completely off topic. Um, but talking about COVID, I wish we were a lot more like, you know, we were having, I know you've had the conversation with your friends. It's like, oh, have you been tested? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I wish we could have like the same stigma with like STD testing, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But back on topic. Yeah. So like BPD and all of this. Um, it really, cause I'm not on, I don't do therapy right now. Um, I really can't afford it. Um, I'm not medicated. I haven't been since I moved here. So it's really a lot of me like sitting with myself and like forcing myself to like see the bigger picture and forcing myself to be able to be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. You know, is this something that I can do something about? Yes or no. And then move on it through there, you know? Um, I mean, I can only assume you've done things like CBD and DPD and, you know, giving your emotions a name and processing it. And it's definitely harder with COVID because I'm, uh, I like to be around friends. I love being around my friends. So now I'm only around a small group of friends rather than just being with a huge crowd of people. Um, this month for October, I was doing Sobertober, um, except for the last few days because my sweetheart's in town and I really wanted to drink. Um, but being sober, the first couple of days sucked. I had to smoke so much weed and like, I just felt like, like all of the like little firing pins of BPD were just going off where I'm just like, fuck it. I'm nothing without a beverage. Like I can't cope with my final call between that and I'm the best person in the world and I can overcome any drug addiction in the world. And just being constantly stuck between that. There's no middle ground. (laughs) Yeah. I I think um, all of those feelings are relatable and valid. Um, I, yeah, like it can be really easy to drown in your vices or your indulgences of choice. Um, Mm -hmm. My big two ones are sex and alcohol Um, that I have been uh, definitely um, trying to moderate and be extra, um, just extra like diligent about like, you know, if I can't remember the last day, like I didn't drink, like, that will be the day like I go sober for a day. Uh, yeah. And like in terms of like my sexual partners, I mean, it's like being very, very like transparent about like what I need right now, like yeah. for myself, but also no- need- knowing what my partner needs right now so that like, you know, we don't get like lost uh, in relation. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So it's been really interesting, like, like, uh, from a BPD perspective through, uh, quarantine. Cause like, kind of like you, I mean, I get that impending doom sense, mm-hmm. like pretty, I mean, I feel like it's gotten better, like over the last like couple years, like mm-hmm. it's, I'm better about, especially when I like hold myself accountable, yeah. um, for like being like, yeah, you know what? I I wasn't right at this point or like I, I, I could have done better at, at this point or, you know, like once I started holding myself radically accountable, like the impending doom became easier to manage yeah. uh, or, or at least, I mean, it still least, sucks. It really still sucks, yeah. but <laughs> at least, at least it won't be as like, um, it, it, Not you, crippling. It, yeah, or it, or it won't uh, linger as long. So yeah. I think it's especially hard right now because like, you know, 
without like I mean I, I'm a pretty isolated person like I'm very reclusive but mm-hmm. when I need validation like I fucking need validation and uh <laughs> um because I mean because I'm a Capricorn you know I am very like driven in my own goals and mm-hmm. I have no problem being by myself but it also doesn't mean that you know I can work my ass off if I don't have a sense of security so that has been kind of kind of um erratic like where I realized like I haven't talked to like one of my friends in like months and I'm like oh my god do they hate me yeah oh my god like are are we still cool or like did I did I did I say something like did I say something on social media where like they don't want to have anything to do with me anymore exactly and that is that's been a big thing is like like because we're living and we've lived in such like dark and divisive times right now where it's like people are very very amplified and flared up emotionally it's like mm-hmm. you say you share one thing about like hey like the democrats suck you know, like... Well, you want Trump to win? Is that what you want? Do you want four yeah. more years of Trump? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, I, last week, I shared, like, a bunch of, like, memes making fun of the Democrats being, like, hypocrites. And then I saw I lost, like, five Facebook friends. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, it's... I mean, really, like, you know, stuff like that is minuscule, but it's also, yeah. like, that's... But that's also the stuff that triggers me. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I know exactly where, what you mean. Where it's like, you know, I mean, obviously, like, I've, you know, uh, evolved and adapted my perception of the world and what I believe is right. But <laughs> that with that means that might change your relationship with some people. Yeah. And I am really, I take that really bad. Like, I, if if someone walks away, like, I can walk away from people if I feel like I need to. But if someone walks away from me, I don't fucking take it well. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, no, that was um, like I lost a lot of friendships during the um, what was it like the Michael Brown and Dontre Hamilton, because I mean, you know, being fully transparent, I was like the shitty white kid say the N word and blah, blah. It's like, it's fine. My black friend lets me do it. And one fateful day, I got my shit rocked and I never did it again. And um, so like when I started, you know, for lack of a better term, when I started getting woke or whatever, um, a lot of my other white friends like started getting upset with me because I started like, I guess, policing them and being like, hey, man, maybe don't say the N word or hey, man, maybe those jokes are a little bit inappropriate. And they're like, oh, you're turning into, a, you know, snowflake lib. Da, 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 da. And it's like, dude, you look hard. Like. I'm not a lib. I'm just trying to make sure I'm not hurting somebody's feelings for no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what I try to remind myself is like, you know, anyone who would walk away from me right now, like, I think that like quarantine, a, a good silver lining is that it, it has, I feel like it's disciplined me a lot in mm-hmm. like trusting myself and trusting like when I do believe something is right. And I live into mm-hmm. that, like, you know, then, uh, let life run its course and if that means that you know some people do walk away you know there's going to be others to fill that to fill that void absolutely Uh, because you know at the end of the day like we're trying to survive right now and Uh uh, especially right now yeah and we don't need you know petty selfish individualism right now you know and like Um, it's like do you do the thing um like when you learn when you learn something new not like not like a skill or anything but like you know when it comes to people and how we interact like you learn you just learn something new in general I can't really think of an example but like I do the thing when I learn something well for example you know becoming a white person that doesn't say the n-word I assume everybody follows with me because I'm very self-centered in my universe so I think that I've set the tone for everyone around me (laughs) it's like yeah like I was like oh you know I'm growing in this way I'm just gonna you know obviously I got the memo everyone else should have gotten the memo and then just like seeing people like still behind it's like oh I thought I thought we were in a collective state here you know (laughs) oh yeah I thought we I thought me <laughs> yeah no I, I i'd be the same way <laughs> where 
once you like identify with something new, like you just jump on it and try to like claim it like so hard. <laughs> yeah, like oh, I did that shit so much. I mean, I used to be a Joe Rogan loving liberal, you know, and so I <laughs> like <laughs> and I would always, you know. Like, I, I think that I really, it took me a little while to like, you know, really fully be confident in like what I did believe politically. But since I've adopted like communism and being a Marxist, like now it's like, all of you should need to be Marxist and capitalism is <laughs> murder. And like, and it, it, like, and I, I, and, and it's a big P, BPD thing where it's like, it's just so easy to be reactive when someone doesn't see from your, from your uh, peripherals. And uh, I, that's why like, yeah. And I have to check myself all the time with that because it's like, while I might've been learning this shit over the last like six months, I'm also still very new to it. And I don't always know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, the saying, um, like a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing yeah definitely I've definitely um you know lived that experience like especially like because when I learn something I'm super excited to share it now at the same time I have a really hard time retaining things so I get like the gist of things and I'll go and try to like educate or explain a friend and I'll completely butcher it or something and then my friends are like I don't think you're I don't think you're on the right page here I'm like no 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 no. it's totally fine we're good just 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 follow me (laughs) I'm not a tanky, but I'm a cop. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that um, luckily, like, I mean, also just kind of what goes hand in hand with like the fear of abandonment with BPD is like, you know, just uh, constant FOMO. But yep. what's nice is uh, what's nice is about quarantine is like that FOMO's all gone away. Like now I never feel bad about like not being something because like, you know, yeah, nothing's happening. Or if people are doing shit, it's like, you can be like, it's kind of selfish or irresponsible. Or, yeah. like, Maybe we get to be the better people now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, I do think that I've come a long way um, with like, kind of what when, when I entered quarantine, and I'm interested in your thoughts about this too, but mm-hmm. kind of like entering quarantine when the pandemic all hit, like, I think some of the ways, you know, I, I think that I've became a lot better at disciplining it, um, like through quarantine and, and just kind of like telling myself when things are and are not in my control mm-hmm. and to trust myself and to, tr- and just, because like, and I mean, you know, like a big, a uh, big, uh, uh, core thing about BPD is like that unstable sense of self and yes. never being able to really truly like trust the direction you're going in. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I have made, yeah, like I've made strides in like trusting myself and, uh, you know, believing that I am doing the best I can and that like, yeah imposter syndrome does suck but like it is something that is a it is a product of you know the indoctrinated constructs that we've grown up with yeah um and uh i think it's about it's been a better time than ever to like work towards like bettering who I am as I relate to the world around me. So I'd love to hear how you, how you felt about that. Well, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, the beginning of quarantine, it was just very, um, not a lot of self-checking, a lot of drinking, just a lot of just saying fuck it and going with whatever inhibitions that I had because fuck it, it's the end of the world. If I want to drink, I'm going to do that. If I want to fuck somebody, I'm going to do that. If I want to yell at my best friend, I'm going to do that. But like, you know, like you said, having the time to yourself, you know, not because I don't think I've been like isolated really since I've been here. There was a small brief where I thought I had COVID, but I still was with a friend who had the antibodies. So she was like, you know, helping me out. But like being able to sit with yourself and being able to like, yeah, be your own therapist, really just like, okay, um, how am I feeling about this? Is 
how am I going to, how am I going to deal with this feeling? Am I going to compartmentalize it and, you know, deal with it later? Or how am I going to cope with this now? Um, like specifically for me, the biggest thing, um, that's been triggering my BPD is like my family. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to go into like super details, but like, you know, I've never had a great relationship with my stepdad. And earlier in the year, he said something that really, really bugged me. And it, my mom was like, my mom was like on my side, obviously, but she was also trying to like defend him. And so that just like Nick triggered me and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it's his fault that I'm like this and you're, you know, not really coddling me in the way that I want to. <laughs> and so, you know, what, what is the point in self-soothing if the person who's supposed to soothe me no matter what won't even do it? So, so that's another thing I have issue with is like self-soothing because I would rather just like turn to my vices than like sit with myself and figure out why I'm feeling a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And the FOMO and the FOMO. BPD is very uncompromising. It's so terrible, dude. And it's like, it's also, I don't know if you've had this feeling where you're just like sitting with yourself and you're like, is this even real? Have I been faking it this whole time? Oh, yeah. Like, am I just still like 16 years old, just like throwing a fit? Like, no, I don't like want to do that. <laughs> the dissociating and shit. Yeah. When it's just, I don't know. But like, I mean, there are like really good things about it too. Like we're super empathetic. You know, yeah. we're pretty good at, I mean, when we're in the right state of mind, I know we're really good at being able to like see other people's side. Um, we can be super patient um, when time allows and we're fucking funny. <laughs> oh, we're hilarious. We're the funniest people I know. <laughs> also good at, um, good at reading the room, I'd say. Oh, like, yeah. Because we're so oh, hypersensitive, yeah. like reading the room is a, uh, is like almost a sixth sense. <laughs> also, I'm really good at like weeding out like bullshitters and liars because I'm like a master manipulator myself. And so like, you can't, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So I can always tell when people are like trying to manipulate or like lie to me or something. Um, and I mean, I will be honest, there are times where I like overestimate and it's just like the way their body language is or whatever. And I'm overreading the situation. And then I'm like, fuck, you're lying to me. You're going to kill me. Ah! And they're like, no, dude, I just want to see if you want to hang out on Thursday. And I'm like, yeah. you're just set up. Right. You're being too nice to me. Something's off. You yeah, know? you're being too nice to me. What do you want? Are you going to kill me? Right. You obviously want something for your own personal gain. Like <laughs> you actually want to uh, hang out with... Woman. I know it. <laughs> yeah, do you actually want to hang out with this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, Tabby, uh, um, I, I'm so glad we got to talk today. This is fun. This has been so good, dude. Thank you. Dude, you are, you're so fun to talk to. And um, I definitely want to keep this conversation going. Um, so we will definitely have to be in touch. But before we go, um, on the way out, I ask everyone the same two questions. Yeah. Um, so Tab, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> a lot, a lot. Um, recently, the state of our country, um, I am, very, very worried for my future. I am very worried for the future of um, my fellow man and woman and non-binary pals. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the impending doom. The impending doom is keeping me up at night. Yeah, definitely. What puts you to sleep? YouTube videos. <laughs> I like to watch YouTube videos about the people playing The Sims. It soothes me. There you go. I've been, uh, I got pretty into Reddit this year. Um, Ooh, nice. Reddit has been uh, usually my last uh, stimulation before I go. The creepypasta is really good. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some good ones. Um, well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ben. You've been great. Oh, you're, you're sweetheart. Um, <laughs> for everyone watching, um, get a bike, uh, join some, uh, you know, do some. Uh, bike races and bike events. It's a lot here in River West, but you know, it's um, volunteer it's and donate to people of color. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, like directly to them, you know, directly like if you know somebody in need, like there are GoFundMes, there Venmo are Venmo, pay yeah, exactly. Um, 
buy merch buy yeah buy merchandise um, yeah buy, i've been buying a lot of band shirts a lot of shirts from uh vendors you know that a little stuff like that goes a long way so mm -hmm. help your fellow man and smile don't high five people right now because of covid but smile uh <laughs> Hey, you brought <laughs> Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.